Chefs Without Restaurants, episode 109 with Matt Plapp. It's the same in any business that whether it's a Facebook post, a banner in your, your business, your website, a radio commercial, direct mail piece, a sign on the side of the road, attention. If I get your attention, Chris, if I get your attention 10 times in the next 12 months, I'm going to have a chance of getting you to convert to something. If I get your attention 100 times, you're going to convert 10 times more often. If I get your attention 10,000, that's what it comes down to. But the problem is what I see with attention is attention is rented, is that you're typically paying for somebody else's audience. Right now, we're on Instagram. This is a free tool. But if we wanted to reach out to these people again, I'd probably have to spend money to get in front of them. So anything you do out there from a business standpoint, if you're trying to grow your revenue, you need to think about how you can convert that attention to a database. Because once you get Matt Plapp's information for your restaurant or your car dealership or your hot tub company or whatever, then you can market to me on your time. This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your host, Chris Spear. Each week, I'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spear. On the show, I have conversations with culinary entrepreneurs and people in the food and beverage industry who took a different route. They're caterers, research chefs, personal chefs, cookbook authors, food truckers, farmers, cottage bakers, and all sorts of culinary renegades. I myself fall into the personal chef category, as I started my own personal chef business, Perfect Little Bites, 11 years ago. And while I started working in kitchens in the early 90s, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. This week, my guest is Matt Plapp, CEO of America's Best Restaurants. He's a marketer, author, speaker, consultant, and business coach. He's owned his own marketing firm since 2008, and since then, he's helped hundreds of companies market with a purpose. In 2016, he changed his focus to restaurants, and today helps restaurants all over the world with their ROI engine marketing platform. Matt also has a podcast called MPTV and has released a number of books, including the one recently titled Restaurant Marketing That Works. This episode was actually recorded as an Instagram Live that I did with Matt. To be honest, I never thought it would be a full podcast, but I was so blown away by our conversation that I just had to put it out there. Now, I know that you're used to hearing my sexy voice through that new Shure MV7 microphone, but unfortunately, I was speaking directly into my phone, not even using a mic. You can still hear me clearly, but it's just not that studio quality this time. I'd intended to go maybe 15 minutes with Matt, mostly talking about the new book, but he shared so many gems during this conversation. Most of it revolves around how to obtain customer data and best use it in your marketing strategy. We talk about email lists and how often to send out an email. We discuss using your time and money effectively, and he gives tips on using the Upwork website when you're ready to hire someone to help you. I talk with a lot of guests about what their marketing strategy is, but I've never had an actual marketer on the show. I really hope this brings tremendous value to people. Matt was able to actually help me with one of my problems while we were on the show live. I just know that you're going to find at least one solid tip that's going to help you take your marketing to the next level. I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. And we'd love it if you supported the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast and community. There are a few ways to help. First, if you have a business or product, we're always looking for sponsors. 
You can also support our existing sponsors like Savory Jobs. If you shop on Amazon, we have our own affiliate link. Or be like cool kids Matt Collins and Justin Kana and consider joining our Patreon. If nothing else, it would be great if you subscribed to the show, rated it, and reviewed it. And maybe share your favorite episodes on social media. The links to all these things are in the show notes as usual. The support means everything to me. And now, here's a word from this week's sponsor, Savory Jobs. Did you know restaurants turn over employees four times faster than most businesses? What if somebody created an affordable and effective hiring solution for the restaurant industry? What if there were a job site that only focused on people looking for food service jobs? What if that site only cost $50 a year to advertise for every job your restaurant needed? Forget the big corporate sites like Indeed and Monster. Our sponsor, Savory Jobs, has a job site exclusively for restaurants. The best part is, Savory Jobs only charges $50 for an entire year, and you can post all the jobs you want. And for our loyal listeners, use the code SAVORY10 and get 10% off. That's S-A-V-O-R-Y-1-0. So go to SavoryJobs.com and discover the job site that's shaking up the industry. And remember to use SAVORY10 for 10% off. And now, on with the show. Thanks so much, and have a great week. Hey, Matt, what's up? What's up? How are you? Living the dream, brother. How are you? Great. Thanks for hopping in here. You're welcome. Super excited to talk to you today. Uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. I'll post this up live or post this up recorded after for those who aren't here for the live. But I want to find out all about what's going on. So I guess this is like an impromptu Chefs Without Restaurants mini episode. There we go. Mini episode, baby. Yeah, yeah. So let's get right to this. Who are you and a little background on what you do? I don't want to go too much into the whole story because there's lots of places people can find that. But just a little background on uh, who you are and what you do for work. Yeah. So uh, CEO and founder of America's Best Restaurants. We have a couple of facets of our company. Uh, One part of it is a media company where actually our team just left Asheville, North Carolina. We filmed 10 to 12 episodes a week of some people call mini diners, drive-ins and dives, where we're looking to highlight restaurants that you eat at weekly. And so we're launching that TV show in September. We have uh, two Mercedes, one Mercedes Sprinter van in this region, one coming online the West Coast. The goal is 10 next year, 50 in five years. That's one part of the company. Uh, the other part is Restaurant Marketing That Works, which is our marketing division that helps restaurants build a database, market better, and then communicate with customers more often. We've been around, I've been around since 99 in the marketing world. I've been around the restaurant game since then as well from a marketing standpoint, not an operator, not a chef, not the smart guys that know how to make good food. I can make steak occasionally. And then, uh, you know, been in this part of it since 2008. Well, I know you've got a new book, so let's get into this. What is the new book And why now? Why is this book really important right now? So 2018, I had this sitting here on accident. This is my first book, uh, Don't 86 Your Restaurant Sales. Back in 2018, I wrote that book. And my vision was to teach restaurant operators that there there are tactics out there to market better. And I got a little too technical in that book because I heard from a lot of operators. It's, It's sold a lot of copies. I've spoken many shows about it. And I heard from a lot of people that, Matt, the book was great. The ideas didn't go deep enough. And I also can't use the tactics that you highlighted in there because there was literally some automation of how to build stuff in Zapier and some different automation tools that are above their heads. So I wrote a second book uh, called Sell More Slices in 2019, which was a piggybacked, little easier version of that. And then when 2019 came around, my goal was to publish a book a year. And so 2019 came around, I started working on 
uh, Restaurant Marketing That Works. And originally the title was Restaurant Marketing That Works Back to the Basics. I wanted to write a book on our theory, a five-step theory that we have, which revolves around ABR, our company initials, America's Best Restaurants, but also Attract, Build, Retain. I wanted to write a book about how restaurants can attract attention. At the end of the day, that's how you get people to eat at your restaurant. If people see you more often and your food's good and your service is good and they like the atmosphere, they'll come back. But more importantly, how do you take that attraction and build a database? And then retention, uh, how do you retain those customers? How do you keep them opening your emails, keep them clicking your text messages, keep them engaging in social media? So that was what the book was written about. I was hoping to publish it in the early to late spring of last year. Uh, and it finally got out this summer. But during the process, my publisher called me and said, hey, what did you change with the pandemic on the book? I said, what do you mean what I changed? Like, well, obviously you had to pivot. Everybody else did. I said, well, we honestly didn't. Uh, I said, the only thing we did was use the databases more often. So what we were doing before the pandemic with restaurants is the same that they did during that helped get customers back in, educate them on third party, on curbside, on pickup, on delivery, on whatever. Uh, And then it's going to work after. So we tweaked the name of the book to Restaurant Marketing That Works before, during, and after the pandemic, because quite honestly, the tactics in here are, in my mind, kind of elementary. It's how do you get attention? What do you do with the attention? And then what do you do with your database on a consistent basis so that people don't ignore you? And I would also say it's just a good overall marketing book. I mean, our group here is Chefs Without Restaurants. So, you know, some of the people here might hear restaurants. I don't have a restaurant, but aren't these tactics uh, applicable to many other businesses. I I had a friend of mine was in here the other day and I said, look, flooring marketing that works, hot tub marketing that works. The tactics are all the same. I just happen to give examples and case studies and very specific use cases for restaurants. But at the end of the day, all businesses survive and thrive the more people know about you. For example, America's Best Restaurants, our media company, we spend about five grand per vehicle per week that that's on the road. And I had a friend of mine today, he's like, holy crap, $5,000. He's like, this week you spent five. Like, well, this week we spent $3,861 specifically. We had a good week. Uh, He's like, but why? I said, well, because I want to create that media company, number one. But number two, the more restaurants that see us on the road, the more value we build our company, the more people will eventually work with us in one capacity or another. It's the same in any business that whether it's a Facebook post, a banner in your your business, your website, a radio commercial, direct mail piece, a sign on the side of the road, attention. If I get your attention, Chris, if I get your attention 10 times in the next 12 months, I'm going to have a chance of getting you to convert to something. If I get your attention 100 times, you're going to convert 10 times more often. If I get your attention 10,000, that's what it comes down to. But the problem is what I see with attention is attention is rented, is that you're typically paying for somebody else's audience. Right now, we're on Instagram. This is a free tool. But if we wanted to reach out to these people again, I'd probably have to spend money to get in front of them. So anything you do out there from a business standpoint, if you're trying to grow your revenue, you need to think about how you can convert that attention to a database. Because once you get Matt Plapp's information for your restaurant or your car dealership or your hot tub company or whatever, then you can market to me on your time. And it's not, there's a, a graphic in here. I flip through and find it. It's called Hope and Pray, Aim and Expect. I don't know what page it's even on, but it's in here somewhere, I promise. But it's a graphic that says Hope and Pray is the marketing tactic most businesses use. They 
hope Matt Platt had a good experience. They pray Matt Platt comes back. They pray Matt Platt tells his friends. You should aim and expect that if you did your job on the front end and got your customers' information, you wouldn't have to hope Matt Platt had a good experience or pray Matt Platt came back. You could aim at Matt Platt with a text or an email or a campaign and expect an outcome a certain amount of time. Yeah, I mean, I think the danger a lot of people get into is these platforms, they think followers and likes equal business, right? And Instagram's a business, right? Like they make money on advertising. I have almost 5,000 followers, but when I do a post, I can get maybe max out at 100 people liking that post. How many impressions were there? And then what if Instagram goes away tomorrow? Like, what did that really mean that I posted something yeah. for my for my personal chef business? I posted a thing saying, hey, I'd love to have you come on. Uh, I, I'd love to cook for you, right? And 80 people like that post. Well, what does that mean? Are they even my target customer? Yeah. Uh, am I getting in front of them? And then what do I do? Even if they are my target customer, I think owning the information is super important. And whether that be an email list or a texting something. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of lose out. They think that all this having thousands of followers and likes and everything is going to convert to business. And I found personally, it doesn't, uh, it hasn't for me. Yeah. It, I had lunch with a friend of mine today who's been in the tech world for a long time. I, I knew him from radio. We started in radio advertising. I started in 1999. He had been there about four or five years. And we were talking at lunch today and he was talking about this company that he's doing some consulting for, how they have a form on their website. And it's a big purchase. That's like 15 questions. And he's like, Matt, we came to find out like nine out of 10 of the, these people in these forms, the sales teams weren't following up with them. They're just sitting there. He's like, they took the time to answer in depth 15 questions. It's not like they clicked a button and all they had to do was click like. If I click like on this video, if I click share, if I comment, it took me one second. If I click a button and go somewhere and say, my name, my phone number, my email, my birthday, my visit frequency. Those are the things we look for for restaurants. Now, all of a sudden, I'm kind of vested. I want to know more. And what happens is, like you mentioned, I've seen Facebook pages with 100,000 fans. And they make a post and it gets four thumbs up and one share and their, and their mom comments on it. Well, that's because it's pay to play. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, Google, all those platforms 10 years ago built up a lot of demand for their bandwidth. And then they got a bunch of businesses on it and they eventually said, great, turn the water faucet off. Now you've got to pay to reach those people more often because unless you're dynamic and organic content, which a lot of us aren't, uh, then you fail to reach those people and you got to pay for them. So I always tell people, there's a, a graph in the book that says spend to build, not to sell. Stop using your marketing to sell what you're doing. Use your marketing to build a list and then sell to those people after the fact. So what are some actionable things people could do like right now, right off the bat? So right now, I would evaluate every place you have potential touch points. So let's look at the five main places we see. Your website, well, you're in-store. If you have a business that has a restaurant, if you have any type of retail store that's got in-store traffic. 85% of people that walk in restaurants leave without giving the restaurant their information, which is crazy. I mean, think about it. Your goal is to eventually marry your customers. You want to get their name, their phone number, go on a couple dates, get engaged, get married, have babies. Well, everybody forgets the end of that because they want to marry them the first time they walk in. Well, it's not happening. You got to prove yourself to me. 
in order for me to become a long-term customer. So number one, look inside your four walls, like my business here. This is my office. I, I need to look around and think when we start getting customers coming in here, when it opens up next month, what am I going to do in-house to capture everybody that walks in here's information? Now I'm at an advantage. It's a membership only place. So I already have it, but maybe they have guests. Maybe they have friends they want to share something with. Uh, number two is look at your current data, online ordering, uh, online lead forms, places that people have given you information and make sure that you have more of it. Don't just get somebody's email address, get their email and their name and their phone number and their birthday and their gender. People will give you what you want. And the more information people give you, the more vested they are. I had somebody there go, Matt, what if we ask a thousand people to get their email address and we get a thousand? What if we ask those same thousand people five questions, their email, their phone number, their birthday, their visit frequency, and their name? Now I just got 700 people. I'm like, wouldn't you rather have 700 people that gave you everything than a thousand who gave you one piece of item that doesn't really give you the ability to do a whole lot with it? So take your current data and harvest it and re-engage them. Uh, The third part is your website. Somebody's taken the effort to visit your website. What are you doing when they get there? Is it good looking? Does it suck? I mean, I looked at our websites about four months ago. And I said, wow, I wasn't impressed. I mean, we had five different sites. The colors are a little different. Some of the links go to these places, that places. We did a complete rebrand and we're in the marketing world. I mean, I see a lot of restaurants, a lot of small businesses. I was at a restaurant the other day in North Carolina. They didn't have a website. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't have a website? We haven't gotten one yet. I'm like, yet? Like, how long have been open? Eight years? I'm like, okay, that has to change. So, and let me, let me jump in real quick. Like, I think that stuff changes within your business and you need to re-audit it. Like an example is, you know, I've built my business on doing dinners for as little as two up to about 20. And then I found doing dinners for two isn't really where I want to be. And it's four, but it's like the about page of my website is like, I do dinners from two to 20. And at, at some point you need to go back and look and say, is the story that I'm telling online, the, the story of what I actually want to be doing? Yeah, something we all need to do. And I catch and, and I, I bring a lot of things up. The way I know a lot of these are correct is I have screwed them up myself many times. And I can't tell you, I had somebody recently that downloaded a guide from one of our websites. And I'm like, it's, this is an old guide. This is broken. Where did this, I, I saw it because it came through Messenger. And I asked him, hey, this isn't automation. This is Matt himself. Where did you click to get this? And they're like, oh, I clicked on your website. I'm like, hey, don't question which website. We have a bunch. Tell me what website. Well, I found it on the page. I'm like, how is this still here? And it happens. Uh, I know a, a friend of mine recently and said he sold something on his website that didn't exist anymore. That he was like, I just didn't take this button off somewhere. So you, you need to schedule times every week. And this is a good idea. I'm going to put it on my calendar today. Schedule a time every week, take a half hour and look at your profiles online. Look at your Google My Business, your Yelp account, your TripAdvisor, Travelocity, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, website, your email signature. Make sure those things are all relevant and correct uh, and that they're on point. That's what got me when we changed our websites. I was looking one day at all five of our websites and they all had a different shade of orange. Like we have a brand standard. (laughs) I'm like, how do we have, like I can tell these are like consumers might not notice. I noticed. Uh, So that's the websites, the third part. The fourth part are your online profiles. Yelp, TripAdvisor, uh, Google My Business, those places. And then the last one is Facebook and Instagram. So when I mentioned all those five places, 
look at those five places and say, okay, how are people finding me on Facebook and Instagram? What am I putting on there? How are people find when they find me on Google and Yelp? Where am I sending them from there? When they come to my website, what am I doing to get them to take the action? So all of those elements I just drove you to should take people to one place. Take them to one place, a landing page through a you know, quick click funnels or high level, a uh, messenger bot. You can send people to Facebook Messenger like we do. And you can easily, within 20 seconds, get five to seven pieces of data. And so that is a very actionable step is look at the five places, in-store, website, your current data, your online presence like Google, Yelp, and uh, TripAdvisor, and then your Facebook and social media. And make sure that the conversation you're having there is asking people to do something. Uh, and when they do it, don't have it go 10 different places. It should go to the same place. And you can, as simple as going to clickfunnels.com, creating a one-page little funnel that has a form, and they fill the form out. And when they fill the form out, now you have to do something with it. Now, this sounds like a lot for people who maybe are not into this. I think that's where it gets to be challenging. You know, Myself, I'm a solopreneur. I have no people working for me. Yes. Thankfully, I've learned a lot of this as I go. But who should be doing this in an operation? I mean, I guess it depends on how bigger the operation is. Maybe yeah. the better question is like, how hard is this stuff to learn to implement on your own as opposed to hiring someone to do that? If you've created a business and you're investing and in saying, hey, I don't think any of us start a business and go, man, if this works out in two months, I'm going to keep doing it. We all should be starting a business and saying, this is my next 24 months. And having an attorney draw up our paperwork, having an accountant do our taxes. Uh, I have a company that mows my grass. I have one of my employees tell me, I can mow the grass, boss. I'm like, I would rather have you doing your job than mowing the grass. I know you can mow. I could probably mow the grass. I've never actually mowed grass, honestly. It's a little tip about me. I, I have allergies. I've mowed it one time in like seventh grade, had an asthma attack, almost died. So I haven't done it again. But do what you're good at. And so I think what a lot of us get caught doing, and I did this myself, was I'll never forget this story. This is about uh, five years ago. I had a bookkeeper that was $125 a month. Her name was Liz. And she would, 125 bucks would do all of our books every month, give it to my account, my account account would audit it, be ready for tax season every year. I got stupid one day and I'm like, oh, I, I can do QuickBooks. And I fired her. And about six months later, I hadn't done QuickBooks in five months. And Scott's like, bro, $125. Like I've seen what you spend on lunch. It's like two days lunch. You got rid of Liz. I'm like, yeah, it took me a year to catch up from what I screwed up there. So what I would advise people is find people to do things for you as often as possible. Do what you're awesome at and don't do what you suck at. You can hire, if you're a smaller business, go on Upwork, Upwork upwork.com, U-P-W-O-R-K.com. You can go on there and find people from all over the world and say, hey, I need a landing page created. I need a, a marketing funnel created. Or if you've actually are investing money in your marketing, which a lot of us should be, I do. I practice exactly what I preach. I have a company out of Canada that handles our Facebook and YouTube and Google ads for our company. We do that for a living. But he's better at the B2B side than we are. We focus on B2C. And so Andrew handles that for us. So I would, I would encourage people to look at their business and say, yes, there are some things you can do. You can make Facebook posts yourself. You can shoot video. You and I, I'm on a phone right now. I'm guessing you might be on a phone. I've got a tripod that costs me $4.58 on Amazon. 
I've got a little light in my office if I wanted to use it, if I needed it, that was like, like $15. So you can create video content. You can make stuff for your posts. But if you're trying to create automations and things like that, you're going to have to probably either learn a little deeper or hire an expert. And when I say expert, you can use that term loosely because I could can, I can get on Upwork right now and within 30 minutes, hire somebody for under $5 an hour to do something that would take me five or six hours. Now, I'll give you one little hack on when you hire people on Upwork. And here's why I like Upwork specifically. Number one, when people are hired through Upwork, employers leave reviews. So you can look and say, oh, Matt is a graphic designer on Upwork and he can do automation funnels with also. And that's what Matt Platt said I needed. So he's a click funnels guy. I'm going to hire him. Oh, he's had 500 jobs already. And he's got a 9.8 or whatever stars out of 10. That's pretty good. Oh, he's $5 an hour and he's made $30,000. We can do the math and go, crap, he's completed a lot of hours. Uh, the other thing on Upwork is when you hire them, they get paid when their screen is moving. So you can actually log in. Have you ever used Upwork before? I haven't. I, it's one of these things I've seen I've never used yeah. before. And so I what's cool about it, time. what's really cool about it is you can go on there. Like we have an editor on there, uh, Narum. I can get on there if I want, and I don't deal with it. My team does, but I could get on there. I could go to his account, and it'll say he worked 3.8 hours the last you know, two days. It'll show me a 30-second screenshot every 30 seconds. When his mouse isn't moving and his keyboard's not moving, his clock turns off. He doesn't get paid. He's in the bathroom. He's on Facebook. He's talking to his wife. When he's working, it's taking screenshots of him do the work. And you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, I remember when we first started hiring people on Upwork like four years ago. I, I was fascinated to like look through an hour of screenshots and see how they went through all the places because I could see what they were doing. The other thing, a hack within uh, Upwork is put something unique in the description because what happens is people on Upwork have bots that will apply for every job for them. So I always put my team puts in the body. When you apply for this job, reference pink elephant. And what happens is we get 100 applications, 60 of them don't say pink elephant, we automatically disqualify them. They didn't read the job description, how can they apply for it? And so that's a hack, and then go through there and just look and see, have they performed tasks before? Do they have good reviews? Have they earned more? Like I saw one the other day, it was like $100. Well, you've only earned 100 bucks at five bucks an hour. You've not really done a whole lot there, but you've earned 10,000 at five bucks an hour. Okay, let's hire this person and put it in there. But don't be afraid to spend money uh, for people to help you do stuff. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Naval Ravikant and he has this podcast. Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is, it's about wealth creation. I know some people say, well, I don't want to be wealthy, but the point he makes is like, nobody ever got to where they are nickel and diming their time. Right. He says, you know, like I buy something on Amazon for $5 and it, it's a you know shirt that doesn't fit. Like the time it takes to box it up, tape it up, drive to the place, return it for $5. It's like, yeah. I'd rather just like, give it to my next door neighbor because yeah. all that time is better spent on me creating the big thing, yeah. you know, and we do that consecutively as the week goes on. I mean, just this summer, we hired someone to do my lawn mowing. You know, I hate mowing my lawn, yeah. but you're like, I can do this. Like, why am I going to pay someone? But it's like 40 bucks a week to deal with my lawn and I can yeah. be doing like the work that I need to be doing. Um, well worth it. Oh, it's it's kind of comical you mentioned it. My assistant is on off with our van shooting this week, and he fulfills all of our shipments. And so we had like nine or ten shipments that need to go out this week. And I didn't want to put it on anybody else because I actually have to log in the USPS on my crap. Well, there's two ways we can ship my books and some other stuff. Like we have welcome packets for clients to get MP gear, all sorts of stuff. 
And the easy way is more expensive. I literally go on USPS.com. I click the button with their address, print the label, pop it on a box, drop it off. The other way, which is a third of the cost, it's $15 or five, is I go there with the envelope called Media Mail. And while I'm at the post office, I fill it out. I get a stamp. I put it in there. I go my way. Well, I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, I've got 10 of these. 10 of them, Austin would take the 10, go to the post office, do this task for an hour. It's 50 bucks. Me, I'm not sitting at the post office. So I spent the $15 per 10. I spent 150 bucks instead of 50. And I was able to go there, drop them on the counter and get the heck out. And I know I wasted $100 right there, but I also know that I earned an hour of my time back. And for me, I can use that hour of my time to work on myself, to watch my son play football, to hang out with my wife, watch, talk to my daughter. I can use it to work on my business. You know, my time is worth a certain amount. You can only, you can't get time back. And so I think a lot of times as business owners, we have this idea that we're going to, we're going to buy a book like this, which you should go buy at Amazon. I think it's $6.99 right now, by the way, on Amazon. When you buy the book, you'll read it and you'll go, man, there's a lot of good ideas in here. Well, write a list. What actions am I going to take? I, one thing I missed up on, I wanted to do in this book, and I didn't do it, was I wanted to put a shade at the end of every chapter with what actions am I going to take from this? And then the next column, who am I going to delegate or hire to do this? Because a lot of us get stuck doing things we're not great at. You know, there's certain things we do as a hobby to have fun. Like this weekend, I've got a couple of things I want to do. We got a podcast studio. It's ironic I'm out here doing this. We have a podcast studio that's not done yet and that'll be done. But I, I look forward to it. It's going to be fun for me to go in there and play around and do stuff. It's my free time. But next week, David, my technician comes in, who's actually going to put hook the wires together because that might take too much time for me. But be willing to hire people to do things that you don't know how to do. And at the end of the day, also look at your time. Hey, I can build this thing out in Facebook Messenger like we use or ClickFunnels or somewhere like that. And it's going to take me 10 hours. Okay, well, if you were out selling yourself, whatever you do, whether you're a chef or a restaurant or uh, an architect or attorney, how much could you earn in those 10 hours versus paying somebody to do that? Absolutely. I mean, time is the most valuable resource, isn't it? And the one we never get back. I have a question about building a list. I don't know if you have an answer for this. What would you do if you wanted to get a bunch of people's information at an event? Because that's something I struggle with. I'm a personal chef, right? So I get hired by a woman to come do a dinner for 12 at her house. I've got her info and all these people there say, this is great. I'd love to hire you for dinner. And I leave some cards on a table and say, there's my cards, grab them on the way out. And then I don't hear from a good chunk of them. Is there a way while I'm there to really get them to get either get their information and give them something tangible that they're going to take back uh, and then send me that info. Yeah. So I would have a QR code on a business card that you do a bigger card. You do not give out and you have it in your hand and you say, Hey, by the way, a lot of you, and you let the host know this ahead of time that, Hey, when I do events, you know, I hear a lot from people that they'd love to have me out. So when they're on site, I'm going to be giving away a free meal to somebody present. And so have that card and let them know and physically have them do it. Hey, by the way, a lot of you have said you loved it. Did you, I don't know if she told you not, somebody here is going to win this for free at their house. And so all you gotta do is scan this code. It'll take you, let's say in my world, Facebook messenger, 
It'll ask you three questions, your phone number, your email, and consent that you're in the contest. Uh, and we're going to draw it. And we'll draw it tonight at the end of the night for one of you to win dinner. And so then you have them scan that code. You just got 12 people to put their information in there. And then you let the, the, the host know something like, hey, if, you, if you're if you cool with me doing this, uh, it's 10% off your next event. It's, it's a perk we give to people because we grow on referrals and people who eat our food at places like yours are the ones who want us to come in. So then you literally walk around. Hey, or maybe have on a table. Hey, you'll see on a table. Scan that with your phone. They're all custom QR codes now, thanks to the pandemic. You know, four years ago, they thought they were some kind of alien barcode. But yeah, scan that QR code. Uh, at the end of the night, I'm going to draw a winner. That's how you're going to do it then. Because if you have them, I'm going to draw it at the end. I mean, they'd be a moron not to scan it. And if they're really interested, they're going to scan it. And you draw the winner. You get six people right. You got to be willing to get that prize out. And for me, if I had a person, birds with a feather flock together, if somebody's at that house, they're probably in the same income class and same uh, circle that all of a sudden they scan it and they scan it, boom. And then you could also put something in there. Hey, by the way, forward this to a friend who you think might uh, be be interested and we'll give, we'll, we'll, they'll be entered in our next contest or something like that. I love it. That's why you're the man. Like we didn't even talk about this ahead of time. I didn't know if you could solve this problem. And it was actually something I was thinking about as we were talking. This wasn't on my list of questions. And just as I'm thinking about, you know, you're talking about customers coming into restaurants and I listen to you on other podcasts talking about some different tactics. And I'm thinking, well, this is what I struggle with. It's like, again, these getting all these people's information. So I think this is great. And I'm looking forward to like putting this into action. I got to figure this out. I don't think I could get it done for my party I have on Friday, but uh, I'm going to get that QR code thing going. We have a party Friday? Yeah. Okay. Then uh, email me when we get off here. I'll personally build it for you. I'll, oh, awesome. we'll, we'll figure out a way. I'll get with me and my team and we'll get this done for Friday. That way you can have the QR code, literally have it on a little table topper and do it. Because the problem we have in business, you know, they always say you get 0% of what you don't ask for. And I'll never forget this story. My dad, I got I, on Thursdays when I'm home in town, I do an interview with my dad at three o'clock on Facebook and uh, YouTube called Fire With Dad. My dad's a trip. He's like a human cartoon character. And I'm going to ask him tomorrow. We're going to talk about stories of the crazy crap he's did. But I'll never forget, we're at Yamaha's dealer meeting. We were a boat dealer. We're at Yamaha's dealer meeting in, in Nashville, Tennessee. There's 5,000 dealers there. We're the number three Yamaha dealership in the country. So we're a big we're a big player in Yamaha at the time. And my dad's talking to Phil Disco, the head of Yamaha Marine, first ever employee of Yamaha Motor Company on U.S. soil, like 20 years prior. And so we're sitting there talking, and my dad says, uh, talking about his pontoon boat he's got. And we're you know, not poor. So we got money, and we have a boat dealership. And my dad, it cracks me up. He goes, you know what, Phil? He goes, yeah. He goes, my pontoon boat has a mercury on it right now. I just realized that. Would you ship me a Yamaha 40 horsepower four-stroke motor for my pontoon? And Phil looks at him and goes, yeah, okay, sure. And I, I'm like looking like, what? You, we have those in stock. But my dad, but yeah, the business, we have to pay for it. But my dad, we get done. I'm like, why did you ask him? And he's like, why the hell not? I mean, you get what you asked for. And I talked to Phil the next day and Phil walks up. He goes, man, your dad cracks up away. He goes, I've been with Yamaha like 25 years. Nobody has ever asked me for a motor. You know what showed up the next day at our store? A free motor. Because they called me and they go, hey, Matt, we got a motor that just showed up. It says, attention, your dad. What is this? I said, oh, that's his pontoon motor Phil Disco gave him. Can you go to his house, get his pontoon boat, put it on there? But I think a lot of us fail to realize you get what you ask for. And if you don't ask for it, you don't get it. And if you put something in a consumer's hands, like trade shows, I do trade shows. 
I don't like three people today have been here at our business. We have a 50 seat person uh, conference center in the lower level that BNI chapters are at. Three people today walked up here and asked for my business card because they wanted to refer their friends here. I gave them my book. I don't have business cards. I gave them a book. I got their information. And I said, hey, here's my phone number. How do I contact you? You need to get people's information because that's that's all you have, especially if you're out there. Let's say you do two dinners a week. At 52 weeks, there's 110 times, times 10 people. You know, There's 1,000 people. If you get 500 of those people to scan that code and give their information, I guarantee you there's 40 to 50 deals in there that can be had. Yeah, and again, I think the follow-up of, now you've built this email list in MailChimp or whatever. You have 500 people's phone numbers. Like, I think a lot of people then don't take action on it. You know, yeah. I always have whoever contacts me for a party opt in. I ask if they want to opt into my email list. And I actually, you know, that's part of the very first intake. When they do a questionnaire for me, I say on there, do you want to be a part of my email list? You know, you'll get sporadic recipes entered in the contest and it's there and people opt in. I yeah. have to then go make sure I'm following up on that. Cause I've got these people say, yeah, here's yep. my info. Would love to be on your list. I want to enter contests. I want to get recipes. Yep. Now I have to make the time to follow up on that. And I think that's again, where a lot of people kind of fall short. Yeah. And that's, and that's where you can do two things. You can do automation or you can do one off. We used to use a lot of automation on my personal email and I just wasn't happy with the results the past year. So two weeks ago, Annie on my team uh, gets with me every week and we create two one off emails. One that goes out on uh, Wednesday and one that goes out on Sunday. And they're one off, but we have it on our schedule. She knows every Wednesday and every Sunday. Today's went out like two hours ago. And I approved it this morning. But we we already have an idea of what the content's going to be. But we've kind of, we're trying to change something up on it. But you can also create automation to where you go in there and you say, you know what? Create 52 recipes. Build it. We use a program called Drip. There's also a, con- a program called High Level, uh, ClickFunnels. You can create constant contact. You can create a nurture series where it's 52 recipes, 52 emails. And whenever you bring somebody into that list and they get tagged and they go into constant contact or MailChimp or high level or, or drip, it automatically puts them in that campaign. And every week they get their week, they get their email. Now, one, t- one t- uh, tip on nurture sequences, people have a tendency to do them every seven days because they do one a week, but have that sequence go every six days. Because what happens is a lot of people have a tendency to do a nurture series like that, an automation every seven days. And it goes every Tuesday, every Wednesday. Well, people have different habits. And that way you can look back in like three months and see what days emails get open better. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Do you have an opinion on how much is too much with email? Because some people say you can never go too much. But as a recipient, I feel like if I'm getting bombarded like every day with emails, at some point I'm like, you know, all I did is I signed up for your email list to get my free burrito on my birthday. Cool. <laughs> but like you're emailing me four times yep. a week. Like that's to me too much. Do you have an opinion on that? So I have an opinion two ways on that, uh, on the on the frequency and on the, the uh, content. So number one, yeah, there is too much. Uh, there's a website called The Climb, C-L-Y-M-B. They sell outdoor stuff. I've bought 10 pair of shoes from there in the past five years. The only option they have, or maybe they they don't, I don't even get their emails anymore because they had to opt out. The only option they had as of like two years ago was a daily email. And I emailed them and said, hey, I buy from the climb all the time. I dig your stuff. Do you have a, a weekly? I don't need, I'm not buying crap every day. They're like, no, we only have an option because they have like deals and this. So I opted out. 
and come to think of it now, I think I've bought a pair of shoes from Climb in like a year. That if I had like a weekly email versus a daily, which cracked me up, they didn't have it. I probably would have bought more. But I think you've got to look at people. I think ideally two to three times a month is when you should communicate with people. I think weekly is a little much. Uh, it depends on your business. And I say that we communicate with our list twice a week for my marketing firm, but I'm not selling anything as content. Hey, today's podcast is out. Hey, this is out. So if you're a you're dealing with consumers two to three times a month, if it's B2B, you can get away with more because you typically have education and content to put out. But also the other side of that uh, is think about what you're emailing because 90% of businesses, especially restaurants, email everybody in your list the exact same thing. And then every week it's sell, 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 sell. You know, one of our most successful campaigns this past couple months was Mother's Day and Father's Day for restaurants. And the campaign didn't actually talk about the restaurant. It said, hey, click here. We want to know your special memory that you and your mom had. Click below to go to Facebook to tell us about a memory of you and your mom and drop a picture in the comments. You'll be a registered with a $25 gift card. The email had nothing to do with the restaurant. It didn't sell food. It didn't have a link to their menu, their website, nothing. It had a link to the Facebook post. Because all we were trying to do was to get opens. We were trying to get opens on the on that on that email. We were trying to get people to click on that email and trying to get people to engage. And people's minds are kind of screwed up when they think you're trying to sell them something and you don't. They're like, oh, this email. They don't realize it consciously, but their brain does. They're accustomed to every car dealer email they get selling cars. Every restaurant email they get, Taco Tuesday. Be different. Have content in there that gets them to take an action because when you get them to click or open, that's what you want. It's a conversation. Or hell, I had one one client of ours we talked to back during the pandemic when uh, April of 2020, they sent out an email to a big list of like you know 8,000 people and it was one line. Hey, it's so-and-so at the restaurant. Just check in to see how you're doing. Is everything okay in your, in your house and your family? They had hundreds of replies and they replied to them. So sometimes you got to go a little more personal, but you know, content is a key, a, a key thing there. If you look at it, like you're saying, two emails a week, 52 weeks a year, that's 104 emails. If every email goes to the, all the audience and goes to and only sells your company, you just wasted a lot of bandwidth and the people that opened it in week one have died off by the week 26. Yeah, it's the same with just posting in general on social media, right? Like every Instagram post does not need to be here's my food at the restaurant, come to the restaurant, here's the special I've got, like, what are you providing? How are you engaging with these people so that you're staying, you know, on top of mind, but it's not this pitch every single time. Think about your business. I mean, people don't, and this isn't an insult, they're not hiring you for the food. They're hiring you for the occasion. The food just happens to be badass. So let's talk about anniversaries. Put up there, you know, there's Valentine's Day, there's Mother's Day, there's Father's Day, there's, you know, Spouse's Day, Daughter Day, Sunday, Dog Day. There's all these days, there's months. Cat Day, I'm sure, is out there. You know, get people to engage for different reasons, but also maybe get them to engage on occasions. You know, maybe once a week have a theme where you get on there and say, hey, we want to know about your special anniversary. This is Mike and Cindy. They've been married for 25 years. Who else has an anniversary this week? Who do you know that has an anniversary? Now, all of a sudden, they start tagging it, and people start thinking, oh, they did our anniversary dinner last year. Let's, hi- let's have them out this year. So 
Think of those different events. I'm in Kentucky. Derby parties are huge. So if I was a private chef doing catering derby parties in Kentucky, I might be putting stuff up. You know, that's a, maybe a bad example because it's one day, but I'd be putting stuff up on uh, Facebook in April, like who's going to win the Derby this year? You know, so you got to find ways to engage with people of why. Like, I don't go to like last night, my wife and I didn't go to barley corns to have dinner. We went to barley corns to have dinner, have their food. We went to barley corns to enjoy each other's company. The food was the byproduct. And so I think a lot of businesses, they, they just sell too much. It's sell, 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 sell. Yeah. Well, I think this has been so amazing. What if you had like one last nugget to share with our audience today, is there anything you want to go on record with before we get out of here? I just say the thing I talked about earlier on, spend to build, you know, spend your time, your money and your efforts to build a database because this ring right here, my wife, 22 years as of two and a half, three weeks ago, had I not asked for her phone number at study hall at Morehead State University, I more than likely wouldn't have got the first date. And it's the same thing with your customers, the people that are trusting you. I mean, think about it from a business standpoint. If you're a restaurant, they've driven to your place, they've parked, they've walked in, they've given you a credit card, they've, they've trusted you with their time and their money, but also they've probably passed 30 or 40 other businesses. If they're hiring you for catering, they probably looked at five or 10 other people. So you've got a, a fish on the hook get their information so that you can develop a relationship with them down the road. The most valuable asset any business can have, in my opinion, outside of an awesome team and product is a database of people who know, like, and trust them. Phenomenal. Pitch that book for me one more time. What's this book you got there? Go to Amazon, look up Matt Plapp, Restaurant Marketing That Works. I think it's $6.99 right now. It's funny. Amazon, I don't know how their, their system works. We asked them to put it at it was originally 25 bucks. That's what they want it to be. I think the, the price they want is $29 within a couple of months. But I asked them to put it on there for like $6.99 for about a month so that as many people can buy it early on because it'll help the algorithm get people buying it. But uh, it's a great book. It's in, and you, like I said, you can cover the word restaurant up. You're not in the restaurant world. At the end of the day, it's going to teach you how to attract attention, how to build a database from that attention, and then how to retain customers by using email, text, and social media marketing correctly once you have the people's information. I love it. I was reading the book earlier today. So hoping to put a lot of it into action soon. Thanks so much good. for your time. I really hey, appreciate thanks. it. And to everyone who checked out the episode, thanks for hanging with the Chefs Without Restaurants Instagram uh, podcast today. Thanks for listening to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show or sponsoring a show, please let us know. We can be reached at chefswithoutrestaurants at gmail.com. Thanks so much.